Welcome to the uh, inaugural episode of United We Stand with Jim Feeney. I'm your host, Jim Feeney, and uh, I want to thank Rhett Palmer and Vero's Voice for making uh, this uh, time slot available to me. So uh, this show is going to air every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Uh, for the foreseeable future. 30 minutes of hopefully insightful commentary about the world around us and, and how we build a stronger, more sustainable America. Um, you'll all have to kind of bear with me since this is my first broadcast experience, so I'm sure that I'm going to make my share of mistakes, which is okay because that's how we learn. I'm sure many of you remember uh, the breakfast cereal Wheaties that had famous athletes on the front of the box, from Lou Gehrig to Muhammad Ali to Michael Jordan and uh, Bruce, uh, I mean, Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> Wheaties was the breakfast of champions. Uh, so several years ago, I wrote a piece for a a book about uh, entrepreneurs titled uh, Failure as the Breakfast of Champions, because I really emphasized how important failure was to long-term success. It's Again, it's how we learn. So I don't know how successful this radio broadcast uh, will be, but I'm going to give it my all. And at the very least, I'm going to have a lot of fun. And I know I will learn a ton. And uh, I hope you'll learn a few things, too. So why am I doing this radio show? After all, I mean, we really have no shortage of successful radio talk show hosts like Rush Limbaugh, who's on after me, conveniently, Mark Levin, Larry Elder, Glenn Beck, uh, and the conservatives really dominate talk radio these days. Then there are liberal outlets that are sort of more TV than radio, such as MSNBC, CNN, NPR, Bill Maher, tons of others. What you don't find is radio and media that really seeks middle ground and is action-oriented. The agendas seem to be solely to undermine the other side of the aisle, whether it's right or left. This really kind of contrasts, this behavior contrasts to the evidence that America really remains a center-right country. According to a January 20th Gallup poll, 37% of us identify as conservative, 26% liberal, and 37% moderate. So you grab a third of the conservatives who are more moderate and a third of the liberals who make lean conservative on some issues, and you end up with 57% of America, which is really middle ground. So the demand is out there for pragmatic middle ground government, but there's no supply. So another way to think of this is imagine middle ground politics as sort of a, a product and there was a line out the door of the store wanting to buy your product. Let's call it, for argument's sake, a purple product. However, there were no purple products on the shelf, so customers are forced to buy one of the lesser quality red or blue products. As an entrepreneur and a businessman in my career, we call this demand and supply mismatch an opportunity. So I'm here because I see a phenomenal opportunity for America, which is in the midst of a, of a, one of the most serious crises it's ever faced, to really be introspective about who we are and what our strengths are, because for sure, what's on the other side of um, this pandemic uh, is going to be different than what was before. And uh, we're still trying to figure out what that is. So that's why I'm doing this radio show, to help fill the demand for middle ground, data-driven policymaking. We're a big, diverse, raucous country made up of 50 states, about 20,000 zip codes. But because of the nature of our two-party political system, most states have become reliably Democrat or Republican. And over the years, this means that uh, there are only a handful of swing states that decide elections. I grew up in Massachusetts, which is reliably Democrat, lived in Wyoming before I moved here, which is reliably Republican. And now I live in Florida, which is reliably neither 
Florida is the biggest and most important of the swing states and is split between the southern half, which seems to be more lean, more liberal, and the northern half, which seems to lean more conservative. But for me, I think that is perfect because I've landed in the right place to launch my new middle ground purple product because uh, we've got equal amounts on both sides. And, uh, you know, when you have that, you have to negotiate your differences. And I think Florida does a good job with that. Fact is, nobody gets everything that they want, but uh, you wouldn't know it from what you see in Washington, D.C. Everyone has their lines in the sand. Uh, seems like negotiation skills have been diminishing since Ronald Reagan sat in the Oval Office, which is kind of like the Rolling Stone said, you can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometime you can get what you need. And what does America need now? I'm one voice of many, but uh, I've got my uh, my stake in the sand here. And let's start with a, a little bit more civility and engaged citizenship, for starters. Civility is, uh, I'll take that one first, shouting personal attacks doesn't make you right. It doesn't make your ideas more persuasive. But that's what you get from the media these days, whether it's Fox News on the right and pretty much everyone else on uh, other, every other outlet on the left. Unbiased news that American citizens need to make good decisions is really in short supply these days. You know, uh, the Walter Cronkites and the Huntley Brinkleys uh, of the world that I remember are a distant memory. Everyone has an agenda, so news comes baked in with spin to suit the ideological preferences and the talking heads and uh, and their audience. Which kind of sort of brings me to the the next part of, you know, what America needs now, which uh, I think is engaged citizenship. You know, we're all citizens here in this country. And that means it, it seems like that means different things to different people. So I think it's important to remember our Constitution defines what a citizen is. And, and it says, and I guess I'll read from Section 1, Clause 1 of the 14th Amendment. It says, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. Well, some people might still argue over the meaning of this, but it's clear that if you're born here or immigrated and went through a federal naturalization process, you're a citizen. Your parents don't have to be citizens, which can create a moral hazard where hundreds of thousands of immigrants cross into America uh, illegally because of our lax immigration policy and uh, that allows entire extended families to stay here. So, But this is a really complex topic, immigration, that we'll certainly save for another time. But it's, it's an issue that needs to be addressed so that we really have a clear idea of what a citizen is. And in my opinion, American citizenship is the most important asset on our individual balance sheets. It's not tangible like cash or real estate, but intangible val- the intangible value is priceless. Uh, the second word of my engaged citizenship is engaged. What does that mean? Well, Merriam-Webster defines engaged as fully occupied and having your full attention. You're focused, you make an effort, you ask questions, you follow up, you care, basically. In the business world, when you have positively engaged customers, this is kind of your nirvana, your marketing nirvana. You have customers that love your product. They're talking up your product uh, virally on social media and with their friends. It's wonderful. You sell more product. You have people recommending you. And engagement is also a nightmare when it's negative. You have such a poor product or poor service, you have people that go out of their way to tell everyone how bad you are. So you want to avoid that. But engaged means you're involved. So uh, I consume information uh, from many different sources, Fox, Wall Street Journal, CNN, New York Times, 
I've been a PBS member for years, Nature, Scientific American, The Economist. It's important to, and even the National Enquirer when I'm bored at the supermarket or when there's a long line. But my point is that citizens have an obligation to make informed decisions. If they don't, if they don't make informed decisions, then the foxes start guarding the hen house. And that means casting a wider net where your uh, your news uh, and sifting with the news you get and sifting through the chatter to extract the truth. We've got to go to break now, but uh, we'll talk more about this when we get back. Hello, we're back. You're listening to United We Stand, and I'm Jim Feeney, and uh, welcome to the first of what I hope to be many bigger and better shows. Um, I thought I'd get through a few housekeeping items. Um, uh, you know, I don't like, I won't spend a lot of time on my bio, but a few particulars might help provide some context. I'm a technology entrepreneur and investor who's uh, had experienced failure and success and uh, in almost equal measures, luckily more success. My failures were the sort of seed corn of my success. My wife and I grew up in Boston, um, in the Boston area, where I started my uh, one of my businesses, and we raised our kids for 10 years. We then moved to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, for several years so that we could experience another part of this great country. And then when my folks got sick uh, and needed help, we moved to Vero Beach so we could, uh, we could help them out. So thank you, Katie, Marcus, and Emma, for helping me in this effort. Uh, you can't do it without family, folks. I spend most of my time nowadays with nonprofit work and local organizations like Crossover Mission here in Vero, which helps at-risk kids. As an active, engaged citizen, I also wrote a book published last November on how to, uh, how to reform and how we better govern ourselves using more of our state and local infrastructure rather than just simply defaulting every problem we have up to the federal level. Uh, it's called Locally Grown, The Art of Sustainable Government. It's available on Amazon and bookstores uh, nationwide. If you're interested uh, in more, please visit my website at www.jimfeeney.com. That's J-I-M-F-I-N-I. There you can subscribe to my email list and keep track of uh, where I'll be and, and get my regular blog posts. Also, I'll be speaking at the Indian River Republican Committee luncheon at 1130 a.m. on May 21st at Dario's Restaurant on the uh, on the island. Lunch will be 22 bucks, but you're welcome to attend without lunch. I'll have signed books there for sale as well. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. So given that I'm sort of new at this, this is my inaugural episode, I'm sure that episode 20 is going to look a lot different than this one. I expect to have some really cool speakers and guests uh, to discuss a wide range of topics, you know, outside of politics, as well as, uh, you know, the, my core sort of mission here is to focus our gaze on on the power of local and being united in that. The United We Stand, uh, the theme song uh, that, that starts my show is a song I wrote that is really about that dynamic. Uh, so, you know, music is part of my life. I play guitar, write original music, which you can find on SoundCloud, uh, search for Strange Coalition. And I really look forward to get getting back and performing and enjoying the local music scene here in Vero when this COVID madness subsides. So uh, a little background on how I got sort of interested in politics. It starts with having a really diverse group of buddies on the left and the right that have a kind of sometimes changed my thinking on weighty matters, uh, um, which I think is a, something that's critical to engaged thinking and finding middle ground. There are a strange coalition guy, a strange coalition of guys from different backgrounds, equally split between liberal and conservative, 
I appreciate them and love them all for different reasons, but the common thread is they're all smart and funny as hell. And uh, I, I think you're going to hear some of these folks on uh, future shows. When we've been we've fortunate enough to get together over the years, it's usually a piss-your-pants party involving lots of outdoor activities, followed by sitting around late-night fire animated political discussion. And I kind of remember one of these gatherings after 9-11 where we were sort of discussing, you know, the horror we had all witnessed. Uh, and um, it was really an amazing time. That might have been the last time America really came together and, uh, and agreed on and acted on something big. But shortly after that, we started a blog that we call Passionate Pragmatics to reflect, you know, the kind of our desire to find middle ground that could be acted upon politically. So we started exchanging all sorts of, uh, you know, topics of the day. It was, it was really kind of a talk show just done via email. It's interesting that, you know, regardless of whether we're on the left or the right, there are lots of things that we agreed on after much sort of dissection. This has been going on for 18 years. I still do it with these guys. And it certainly shapes some of my thinking. Sometimes the civil part of the discussion devolves on what we call the rock fight, which can be a little mean uh, with people kind of defending their worldviews at all costs. I'm sure all of you have witnessed that across from the dinner table sometimes with family or friends. But we're friends first, and we try not to let political differences divide us. But still, the rock fight is generally entertaining and instructive uh, in trying to understand our political culture. So one of my calls to action is to step out, our, step out of our respective echo chambers to engage with folks who think differently in a civil debate among engaged citizens. That means no shouting, no taking your ball and going home. We need to be open to new ideas so, so that we can find the best solution to what ails our nation. The more heads on the problem, the better. That's a fundamental driver of locally grown government. Scientists, for example, subject each other to peer review to vet new research. The intellectual sort of scrum of many scientists poking and prodding at new ideas makes those ideas better. Uh, we do this in the business world. And our, and our founders, our constitutional founders, understood the power of this crowdsourcing phenomena before Silicon Valley embraced it as they designed a bottom-up government that depends mostly on the laboratories of 20,000 zip codes and 50 states, which are the foundation of who we are. So you might be asking yourself, why is this guy who's passionate about the future of our nation not talking about the massive crisis we're in the midst right now? This is the elephant in the room, folks. Well, for one thing, there's no shortage of media talking about this 24-7. And I think there's still a lot of data out there that's unanalyzable. It's uh, the fog of war kind of. But some things are coming into uh, into focus a little better. But it's unfortunate that you sort of see one side of the aisle, sort of the, maybe the Democrats talking about staying closed more until we have certainty that everything will be safe for us. And the other side of the aisle wanting to open America up for business as usual. And uh, this reflects the division we have in our country so that it's, we're probably somewhere in the middle of there is where the truth lies. So, you know, unfortunately, the media just gives us a binary choice. Either you support continued lockdown for this COVID pandemic or you support opening up our con our economy and death and tragedy be damned. The truth lies in the middle. We're a diverse country here. Florida, where I, where I live, is different than Massachusetts, where I'm heading in a few weeks this summer. Let governors and localities make the decision which is best for them. Why should we, Wyoming, which has a very low COVID exposure, be treated the same as New York, which is off the charts? This one-size-fits-all top-down policy doesn't work, except in a few areas that the Constitution already carves out, like civil rights and freedom of speech and right to bear arms. You know, the rights of our Constitution are self 
evident inalienable rights is what our our founders refer to them as. In my opinion, the most important leadership in this country comes not from Washington, D.C., but from our state and local governments. Fundamental to the leadership decision, any leadership decision, whether you're a business leader, community leader, is a cost-benefit analysis. So this coronavirus pandemic, as terrible as it is, and it's really a black swan event uh, that's creating terrible human suffering, but we can certainly craft a policy to protect the most vulnerable of our population, the, the elderly and those with pre-existing conditions, while letting the rest of us get to work and get to back to the private economy, which supports the taxes that pay for our government. Incredibly, there are still these uh, so-called political leaders who seem to ignore the economic costs of their one-size-fits-all policy. We just can't keep printing more money and drop it from helicopters as an inducement to get citizens to vote for them. So in my book, I lay out how government debt's already exploding to historical uh, levels and endangers our existence. And we'll talk more about that on our program next week. But, you know, sort of in the words of one of my favorite shows of all time, Car Talk, you've uh, wasted another perfectly good half hour listening to me rant. Don't worry, but we'll see you next week. And thanks for listening, folks.